Hello, and welcome to Political Traction. For more than a decade, Charles Souza was one of the most prominent liberal politicians in Ontario. First elected in 2007 as part of Dalton McGuinty's second majority government, Souza quickly rose to cabinet, eventually spending five years as Ontario's finance minister under Kathleen Wynne. But after a historic loss to Doug Ford's Conservatives in 2018, Souza left politics, that is, until last year, when he successfully contested a federal by-election for the Liberal Party of Canada. I'm Adam Owen, joined today by Charles Souza, Member of Parliament from Mississauga Lakeshore. Charles spoke with us on the state of the Ontario Liberal Party, the appeal of returning to public life, and why Canada needs more regional understanding. This is Political Traction. So, Charles, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to having our discussion. I want to start with uh, just a better understanding of your personal life, moving from uh, provincial government, uh, de many decades of service in uh, at the provincial level in liberal politics, and then at this point in your career, deciding to uh, move shop, pack up, move to Ottawa, and take a role as a backbench MP. What's what was your what were you trying to do there, and and, and how's that been? Well, Adam, it's a great question, and uh, my family asked me the same questions as well. And when <laughs> I was considering the opportunity. Um, I spoke with my, my daughters and my son and, uh, they said, you know, I'm considering getting back into it. And I said, dad, really with, with all the toxic nature that exists in politics, you know, you've established yourself, you're sitting on a bunch of boards and you're actually doing well. And you got a lot of independence and I have more time with my family and with my wife. Um, but the call comes in and uh, more and more things need to be done. And I felt that life in, in what I was doing, I can always go back to some of those boards, but I had some unfinished business. I thought there's a lot of things I still wanted to see happen. And um, so, you know, my oldest daughter, she was like, okay, we're all in. Uh, if that's what you want to proceed with, there were game. My youngest daughter, she just wanted an apartment in Ottawa. So she was happy and uh, so be it. So we went for it and we were encouraged by the warm reception that we received. Well, that's great. What, what are the uh, the issues what are the, what is that unfinished business well you know you, you kind of see i mean i look at my community and there's a lot of stuff that we've uh, started to do and there's a number of initiatives that um, the federal government have taken a lead on but i i was taken aback by some of the reckless nature of some of the things i saw from the opposition particularly around economic policy and the ability to grow our economy to sustain those programs that matter to us and um I felt I hadn't been finished. I felt there was more that I could do to contribute and provide value. And so I, uh, I welcomed the opportunity when it came to me and I, I certainly gave it a lot of thought. I, I didn't make it lightly. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I, I recognize there's a sacrifice in terms of time because your commitment is more intense when you're in the federal side, especially with the commute and spending half of your time in Ottawa and, and the other half here in, in, in the constituency. And, I um, I'm encouraged um, by some of the abilities to improve our intergovernmental relations with the provinces. I put forward a number of initiatives that were nation building uh, in regards to a corporate securities regulator that I thought was important to maintain competitiveness in the country, as well as enhancing CPP. And we were instrumental 
as a province to enable that to take place. And there are certain pieces of that that are still missing. And, and I'm hoping that maybe I can make a difference. You had a front row seat to watching a, a government, a governing liberal party go from one end of the pendulum in public opinion to the other back in, in, in 2018. Uh, and it's no secret that the federal government is seeing a decline in, in its popularity, at least compared to the early days of their mandate and the early days of the pandemic. Based on what you saw in 2018, what does the federal liberal party need to do differently now? So, I mean, I, I gave that a lot of thought, too. And then as I was coming into when I remember when I did my first budget uh, in 2013, um, it secured our position as we moved forward into that new mandate, into a new government under the new premier. And then when we put forward our second budget in 2014, it became the document by which we gained a majority government, right? It was a very positive, progressive, and fiscally responsible budget that enabled us to, to take a strong position. Then four years go by, and of course, uh, we lost our shine. And I think the most important advice I would give anybody in politics is never lose trust, never lose people's trust. That's hard to gain back. People will forgive you to make mistakes. They'll allow you to change your mind. Um, but if for some reason they feel that you've not been doing what you said you were going to do, then that's a problem. And I always committed to balancing the books. I always committed to trying to take, uh, uh, make decisions beyond election cycles. I've always looked at, at the role we play as a little bit more responsible beyond just the politics and beyond just the partisan issues. And most of the people in Mississauga Lakeshore, um, there was a sense of regret because to your point, not in my riding, in the end, it's a conservative riding provincially, but the numbers picked up tremendously when I came back. And that was very encouraging. So people do seem to respect those that want to uh, be in politics for what I would say the right reasons, not just feeding off the public trough, right? It's, a mad, it's about making a difference. And it's about listening to them. And so, uh, Adam, that's what I've been all about. And that's what I've tried to be as I go forward even now. It's an interesting pivot uh, or, I guess, uh, inversion in your career where uh, back in, in, in 20, 2013, you were uh, a provincial liberal dealing with a conservative federal government. And now you're a, a federal liberal dealing with a conservative provincial government here in Ontario. Uh, you mentioned talking about intergovernmental uh, intergovernmental relationships, and and we have this federal budget coming up. Uh, you you've been a provincial finance minister. You've sat across the table from the federal government as they drafted budgets. Pull back the curtain. What do those meetings look like? Um, you know, when I when I went to the the house uh, to Ottawa the day after I was elected, I immediately were I was getting pressed on questions about the. Um, the health accord and, and the negotiations. And they're putting forward letters that I wrote as Minister of Finance the day, demanding and requesting federal funding for our health issues. And is how can you now, uh, you know, be at odds? And I go, there's no, there's nothing here at odds. We absolutely require an accord. We actually require the federal government to come forward and we require people and the province to be transparent. And that was a difference because even when I was a minister of finance and fighting for the province of Ontario in added funding, I was prepared to provide for more transparency and enablement to reflect where those monies were going. Because in the end, for me, 
accountability is what I demand of everybody, even of myself. So that transparency was that's the difference, right? We were, were asking the provinces and other jurisdictions to better use or identify where those funds are being utilized to benefit ultimately the taxpayer who are, you know, we're all sharing the same taxpayer in order to get this done. So people don't care. Adam, when I was out there knocking on doors, they don't care if I'm a liberal or conservative. They don't care if I'm the municipality or the or the province or the federal government. All they care about is that we're working together to get it done and that their uh, issues are being understood and, and heard. And oftentimes when people call me, I know it's not an issue that's relative to the federal government. I'm not going to turn them away. So we provide the assistance and the support that's necessary for them to get done. And that's why there's intergovernmental relations. And some of that's what's, what's Dominic LeBlanc is doing. And that's his role. Um, we need to continue to foster open communications with every jurisdiction. And in, and in the Federation as Canada as it is, it's very difficult to provide some of that trust and enablement, especially when you have changing elections. I'll give you an example. When I was doing the Cooperative Securities Regulator, that was an, an opportunity for us to do something cooperatively with all the provinces. And then we got into different election cycles and it became hampered. But by that point, I already had eight to nine provinces uh, working with me together with the federal government. And that was very encouraging and positive. And that's what I would like to see happen as we go forward. But it's difficult. No doubt. It's difficult. Well, it seems like uh, like uh, our, our current premier, uh, Doug Ford, was uh, one of the uh, catalysts to getting get, getting this done, at least at least from what I've re been re reading in the papers, that whereas some provinces have uh, dug their heels in around that level of transparency and data sharing and centralized programming, he seemed to be the first to put up his hand and say, "No, like we can we can show some flexibility on this if it means that uh, that we solve uh, solve these problems." Yeah, I, I I don't know the particulars of those negotiations. I do know though that I see him asking for more transparencies of where. The provincial money is going, and that's why you're looking at these different uh, this debate, right, with the universal universality of our healthcare and who provides that service effectively. Right. So yeah, so he's he needs to now be more transparent in, in regards to what he's proposing for the benefit of the province, uh, while at the same time asking the federal government to do the same. But he wasn't that transparent when it came to COVID. Right. It wasn't that transparent well, when it came to the funding. So that's the dilemma that we're facing. We had a lot of funds that were made and that weren't accounted for effectively. So going back to uh, <clears throat> healthcare delivery, Justin Trudeau rattled the cage of a pretty generational orthodoxy in the Liberal Party when he called private delivery of healthcare innovative. Where do you stand on that? Do you have an, uh, an opinion on that? Um. So I I I, look, so I I I believe in universality. I believe in 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 in, um, in Canada's strength uh, providing healthcare, uh, regardless of your status in life, and that's ultimately the issue. We do have obviously, you know, family doctors and others that are in essence privately run operations on in their own name, supported by uh, the 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 government, or in this case, the province for funding. Um, so I am I am going to stay open-minded, recognizing I want to protect universality and the public system as we go forward. Let's pull back to uh, the, the OLP leadership that's uh, happening, uh, I believe, this weekend uh, to discuss how the uh, eventual leadership competition will be will be decided. 
you were a bit of a kingmaker for Kathleen Wynne when she uh, when she, she became the the leader of the of the provincial party, uh, and that was done through a brokered a brokered convention. Um, I'm hearing that it's pretty likely that this convention or the next the next convention will be a uh, uh, an open ballot. Uh, do you have uh, an opinion on that? Like, how does that what does that mean for the OLP and the kind of candidates uh, that we're going to see? Yeah. So I'm of two minds in some respects. I, I when I ran in that delegated convention, it was very exciting, and uh, it was a lot of us actually running. Um, there's two ways to win a convention, right? You win to be the leader or, in the, or to your point, the kingmaker. In this case, the queenmaker, right? Because it right. came down, down to, it came down to the two. Uh, and ultimately, at that point, was who was going to stay on and who was not going to call election. We weren't prepared for an election at that point in, 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 the, in our mandate. We had to prove ourselves as being eligible. So you know, Sandra, Sandra Pupatello would have had to have called a general election in order to get herself back in the House um, or a by-election, which wouldn't have made sense because we were going to have a general election in due course within a year or two. So that was a driving, determining factor for me. Also, I wanted us to have um, the delegated convention was exciting to the extent that it made news. It gave us drama. You know, I was going back and forth in negotiations alongside my other colleagues. So, yeah, it was pretty exciting. But is it effective when you're trying to grow your membership? Is it effective now that you're trying to renew your base? Like we have the majority of Canadians, I believe, are more centric. Uh, they're They're not extreme in their points of view. Uh, the Liberal Party is a pretty big tent. And how do we encourage more people to participate? How do we encourage more people to be part of it? And uh, so the one member, one vote is a, 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 an effective way of getting more people engaged and feeling more like their voices are being heard, right? Every vote counts. Now, it'll be a mix of sorts, right? Because in the end, you're going to have to provide s support for rural communities that don't have the same number. So you can't just come in and 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 take control of the party from a couple of small ridings in the GTA, for example. So those things have to be uh, managed effectively, and, and that's what happens now with with the way that I believe the proposal is being put forward. So I'm um, I'm open to the idea of a change. Do you have a uh, Do you have a preferred candidate? Are we going to make news today? Adam, I'm just waiting for you to put your name forward, man. Oh, thanks. I I I um I I know them all, and I've been I've worked with many of them, and and those that haven't declared yet, right? There's obviously a few that are coming forward. So I'm going to reserve my decision to see how the landscape comes out. First, let's get past this weekend. Let's put the rules in place. Let's determine how how it's going to operate. Let's put our president in, in, engaged in terms of the provincial run, and then we'll see what happens. That's great. Um... I guess just one one more question as a uh, as an Ontarian. I'm also a Mississauga. I grew up in Mississauga Streetsville. Uh, what uh, what are you excited about right now for Canada and for Ontario? Listen, I believe uh, Canada and Ontario are positioned well. 
I mean, yeah, we've got some inflationary issues. We've got some stresses in geopolitical issues that's creating an impact on some of our trade and our supply chain. All those things are affecting the world, not just Canada. And I think we're poised. I think we're very poised to do much more. And we certainly have the talent. We have a great, uh, we're, we're seen as a, an attractive jurisdiction around the world because of our, logist, our, our, our legal system, our fairness, our democracy, notwithstanding the, the, the noise that some opposition members make. We have a very open, democratic, mature uh, system. And um, and we have a diverse community of, of people from around the world living here that enable us to promote some of that trade. And we've always heard the, the, the dilemma that Canada is a bit small, Canada doesn't take the risks, but I see more and more activity taking place between Canada and other parts of the world and, and some of the innovations that are happening here. It's exciting. And, and the demand is huge, right? Canada has... The mineral resources, certainly. So that's always a strong point for our economy. And um, we just got to be smart in terms of, uh, you know, embracing the new economy, the new green economy as well, and not not hampering some of our, our, our um, traditional sources of, of trade. That has to be protected, too. And um, what do you mean by that? Yeah. What do you mean by not not hampering? Listen, our I, traditional I, 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 I'm talking about the concerns with the tar sands, the concerns with the pipelines, the concerns with some of our traditional like if we're going to do um, the, the ring of fire up in the northern parts of, of Ontario, that's a huge mineral base of trade that's also going to have an impact on our in our environment. So we got to find a way of coexisting the two. And we have to also recognize that some of the fossil fuels and things that exist around the world are continuing to, will continue. So we have to find a way to transition to, to out of those uh, uh, measures, but not at the expense of Canadians, right? And not at the expense uh, of our environment either. So in my community here in Mississauga Lakeshore, Mississauga South of, uh, uh, by the water, I fought hard to redevelop and revitalize our waterfront, our air shed, uh, ensure that we have greater uh, wildlife and 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 bring up to speed some of um, uh, the, the 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 marshes and so forth. These are important, but at the same time, not at the expense of our economy, not at the expense of being able to compete. And so, um, I, I I think uh, there there is a concern that we have to ensure economic growth for Canada and economic and environmental protection um i think we can i think we can do both i think your your average rural albertan which i think we maybe have uh two or three listeners uh, from that demographic would be very surprised to hear a gta uh liberal uh say that based on uh, based on what 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 they think uh what what they would expect to be hearing I, uh, I did my work terms out in Calgary back in the early 80s. Um, in fact, I just got a, 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 an email uh, from, a, from an old roommate of mine from, my, from those days and uh, with us in a, in a beat up Datsun B10, you know, $300 car at the time. And we lived out in Calgary, worked in, 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 in I worked in, uh, in the oil patch through um, in the accounting side and beautiful country, beautiful people. And there's people, people all over Canada, 
and sure i got ribbed quite a bit because uh we did the we we were we were uh, involved with uh, the petrol canada issues back in those days but i never i never compromise the work that that we are doing uh liberal government is doing specifically because for me it's it's that balance between these competing interests i don't know i um i i'm not i'm not putting quebec or alberta or bc or manitoba at odds and any of this stuff for me we're all a family we're all part of the same group and uh we all share in each other's success when ontario became a so-called have not province we were still the largest contributor to the federation and alberta was complaining about the same issue because they have a tremendous amount of wealth in in the oil reserves and so forth they're now improving they're now balancing the books so we're getting through these tough challenges and these tough times but we'll get through them even better if we stay united and stay strong and appreciate each other's points of view um so yeah i hope they appreciate because even when i was again back to the cooperative capital market security regulator, Alberta didn't want to participate in it because they didn't trust Ontario and the Ontario Securities Commission. So what did I do? I said, fine, I'll relinquish myself as chair. You be the chair going forward. And they said, you would prepare to do that? Absolutely. Because each of us have the ability, uh, you know, to, to make a decision and we have a right of refusal. So in this case, British Columbia took on that chair and enabled us to bring in a lot of others who were smaller jurisdictions afraid of being controlled by central Canada. We got to be sensitive to that. And I'm hopeful that uh, uh, Canadians will appreciate that you want fair-minded and you want informed decisions that are not done in the back of an envelope or done frivolously. You don't want to put on Canada in harm's way by promoting, say, a Bitcoin that's going to devalue the dollar or put us in harm or put them in harm's way. You don't want to complain about how everything is terrible or broken when so much of those initiatives that have been put forward are enabling Canada to be successful and more competitive. You're, you, you look at healthcare, and yeah, we have a lot that we can do to improve upon it, but we're taking care of some of the most despondent and, 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 and people who have addictions. To, to suggest that we have to fight them because of some criminal, criminal activity, as opposed to providing them with the care they need and, uh, and uh, the, the services to provide addiction supports, that's what we need to find a more compassionate way to get ourselves through this. I think most Canadians are that way. Charles, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for the time. Political Traction is powered by Navigator, Canada's leading high-stakes public affairs firm. Our show was edited by Holden Wine and produced by Thomas Ashcroft, Matthew Barnes, Jeff Costin, Zeus Eden, and Jenny McElwain. I'm your host, Adam Owen. We'll see you next time.